0: Sox fans, here
1: are the Bastards of Boston baseball. Welcome everyone. The Bastards are back for this midweek edition of the podcast. We are downloaded in over 30 countries across the globe and available on every major media platform. For everyone listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show if you have not already. Nothing you do will help us more immensely. Just a quick disclaimer for any first time listeners. This is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. The Red Sox just wrapped up a short two-game set against the Toronto Blue Jays, splitting it one game apiece. Boston maintains a two-game lead over Tampa Bay to remain in first place in the AL East. All is quiet as far as news out of Fenway. The Red Sox begin a four-game set against the 11-7 Seattle Mariners on Thursday. News from around the league, Padres starter Denelson Lamette made his 2021 debut after straining his UCL last September. He lasted only two innings against the Brewers today before being pulled in the second inning after the second inning because, you guessed it, a strained UCL. The Oakland A's were on the verge of ending their 10-game win streak after trailing the Minnesota Twins in the bottom of the 10th inning. A throwing error by Luis Erez led to two-run scoring, which miraculously gave Oakland their 11th straight win and allowing the streak to continue. I am Terry Cushman, and I am coming to you from Lewiston, Maine. You can harass me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. Co-hosting with me tonight from the mile-high city of Denver by way of Quincy, Massachusetts, Andrew Dwan. Andrew, how are you?
0: Doing good. Love these uh, night games when just two hours earlier over here.
1: And <laughs> I'm doing a lot better than anyone else. <laughs> you certainly are. I have to get up in four and a half hours. So and we're <laughs> we're gonna be going at it here for at least an hour. So sucks to be me. I can take naps during the day. But where can everyone find you on Twitter, Andrew? So that's gonna be at Andrew Dwan
0: MLB. Last name is D W A N.
1: Very good. Also joining us tonight, originally from Newport, Rhode Island, but coming to us from the nation's capital, Job Goddard. Job, how are you? I'm doing great. It's good to be back. Um,
2: You know, I wish the game didn't have that rain delay, so it wouldn't be midnight now, but it is what it is, and I'm looking forward to it.
1: Did you get rich while you were out there in Vegas?
2: You know, I paid for the trip, so you can't ask for much more than that. (laughs) you know breaking even is is pretty good and uh i had an absolute blast um sorry to have abandoned you guys like that but uh, i'm (laughs) back and i'm excited to talk to the socks i was able to get a couple of games in in that white Sox series uh at the casino but i managed to see both of these games today today and yesterday
1: very good breaking even is uh typically very painless where can everybody find you on twitter Everyone can find me at
2: Job MLB. That's J O B M L B. Do not send me any job applications. That I will not answer. <laughs> um, but if you want to talk Red Sox, that's where you can find me.
1: Very good. Okay. Even though it was a two-game series, there is a lot to get into. We will go right into studs and duds. Andrew, you are in the leadoff position. Who is your stud for the series? I'm going a little
0: outside the box here, going with Matt Andrews. I loved his outing yesterday. He came in, got in, got out, got on with it. It was great. He was really efficient with all of his pitches, and he continues just to shut guys down this season. Uh, I think I was one of probably only three people that was happy to see him in Boston between me, him, and Haim. Uh, (laughs) So (laughs) I feel a little vindicated with him. And just the signing – Right now, not only is he producing, he gave Garrett Whitlock that changeup that is just made him a whole different pitcher than the guy that the Yankees let left unprotected. So uh, he's worth his weight in gold, and if he continues like this, I didn't expect it to be this good. You know, I thought he was going to eat some like three inning outings here and there, spot start on a doubleheader because of a rainout or a COVID scare. But if he, if he continues this base, he's going to be your maybe seventh inning guy. I mean, damn, that $3.5 was well spent.
1: Joe, thoughts on Andrew? Yeah,
2: and Andrew pretty much said, you know, my piece going into this was his biggest con- contribution to that bullpen has been teaching Garrett Whitlock the changeup because that gives you a whole other arm that's, you know, been pretty good. Whitlock has been a stud for a couple of us so far this season. Um, he's performed a, great but Andrees himself no slouch I mean 10.2 innings he's given up 11 hits which isn't great but he hasn't walked that many guys only got two earned runs and hitters are hitting 175 off of Uh, that's what you love to see uh, if you're the Red Sox and those three walks again two of those walks he was pitching around guys uh, so he wasn't necessarily intentionally walking but he wasn't throwing strikes the way that he otherwise would be. And one of those walks was in that Baltimore game where he would have had, he would have got out of that game anyway, if, uh, you know, if they converted the double play. So he's been fantastic. And especially in this series, I mean, they two games that you don't have a lot of work to go from, but one inning scoreless, you can't ask him to do much better than he's doing now.
1: The thing that keeps catching my attention with Andreessen, and, and I was in the hardcore pessimistic, didn't want anything to do with him coming to the Red Sox. But um, he he has been extremely impressive. He's probably, uh, arguably, pitching as well with the Red Sox as he has at any point in his career with any team he's ever pitched for. So, th- like Andrew said, this is above and beyond what anybody could have imagined. But in his one inning of work last night against Toronto in the four to two win. I just notice he gives up a lot of soft contact. Guys just aren't able to barrel the ball up. He gets ground balls or soft liners and it's, it's hard to get on base against him. And he's been scoreless in five out of a six outings. So it's hard to, it's hard to not be extremely impressed with, with what he's done and we covered this a little bit on the last show, but I was really impressed with his three-inning outing in the last series against Chicago.
0: That was Chicago. Yeah,
1: because yeah. he bailed out Nick Pavetta. I mean, Pavetta lasted, what, two and a third, three and a third, something like that? It wasn't and long. It was not good. <laughs> yeah, and, and – Pavetta was lucky. Uh, near, very nearly gave up a grand slam. Would have been six to nothing, but it ended up uh, dying out on the track. And then Andres comes in and and kept us above water. And and we went on to win that game. So,
0: and they're they're using them
1: against great competition too. You got Minnesota, Chicago, and then Toronto.
0: Those are three of the most potent lineups in the a l that you're gonna face. So he's clearly gaining course. Trust, keep us in this game, Matt. like I'm giving the ball to you we We need this,
1: yeah, absolutely. so yeah, nice, nice pick uh with Andres, Job, who is your stud for the series?
2: Uh, my stud for this series is going to be Bobby Dahlbeck. You're not alone if you never thought that I would say that, because I didn't think I would ever say that either. Um, you know, I didn't want even Bobby Dahlbeck to, to be in Boston at the start of this season, but right now he's getting hot. Uh, over the course of this series, he went four for seven, he had a couple of runners batted in. My big thing with him today was the defense that he had in the first inning that could have very easily kept us in this game. Uh, if Richards didn't kind of fall apart there in the next inning. Um, but he kept us in the game early with his defense, and his, his back kept us in the game all series long. He's up to 265, which is where I would expect him to kind of sit the rest of the season. The power numbers haven't quite shown up yet, but I'd expect that to continue. He did leave a couple of guys on base in that eighth inning and, and kind of kill a rally. So people are probably listening to this thinking, you know what the hell he, he could we could have won an extra game if it wasn't for Bobby Dahlbeck, But my answer to that is we probably wouldn't be in a position to win the first game or even close in the second game if he doesn't go two for four and uh, both games and have a couple of runners batted in So he's my stud for the series. His defense has looked great at first base, so he's kind of putting a damper on my send him down takes from three series ago. Um, but so far I'm I'm loving what I'm seeing from Bobby Dalbec this week. Uh, Andrew
1: thoughts on Dahlbeck
0: yeah I mean I I was extremely high on Dahlbeck coming into the year I wanted to give him every shot um a little surprised at the lack of power yet but obviously we know he's going to start running into some fastballs and mistakes and he'll get that uh, barrel rolling but he only struck out one time this series he's putting the bat on the ball and he's playing ridiculous defense for a guy that was a third baseman and a pitcher like he's <laughs> so, Hey, come on over, play this new position at the highest level and pick every single short hop throw from the left side of the infield that comes to you. It's been great. Um, he made that awesome play the other day or last night. Um, I think it was Vlad Guerrero ripped an absolute rope to second base that, Arroyo made a great play on, but then just short-armed it, and he just picked it, and he's picking everything. So you know guys like Devers are feeling better. It's like, they're not like we have to make every single throw chest level perfect every single time. He's He has blown me away defensively. I, I tweeted earlier, it's like Bobby Minkiewicz over there. <laughs> so once his power starts coming, watch out. I Keep him going. I, I love it.
2: Yeah, I think, Andrew, you really mentioned an important point about his defense. I mentioned that his defense kept us in today's game, but it's kept us in a lot of games. If you look at all the short hop that Devers and and Dander Bogarts even have been throwing over to him at at first base, if we have a first baseman who can't make those picks, which I think some first basemen in the league, we've been spoiled, but there are a couple first basemen in the league who wouldn't make those picks. You're looking at maybe two, three extra losses for this team already this season because in key moments – they can short on the ball and he picks it out.
0: Yeah. Look at Vladdy tonight. Uh, he had two throws from, I think it was Kevin Vigio. He couldn't pick either of them. And one of them resulted in Bobby Dalbeck getting on base. And I don't know who the other one was, but those could, you know, if the Red Sox put a couple more hits together, that that's a serious sweep right there. All because they couldn't feel the cleanly.
1: I was going to mention that if you guys didn't, um, you know, we got lucky with a couple of sloppy throws there to first. And, Like you guys said, Dahlbeck has been extremely solid uh, defensively at that position. He got off to a a cold start in five out of his uh, first six games. He was hitless. And then in six out of the next eight uh, games, six out of the next eight, he has had hits. and, And in many of those games, multiple hits. So it's nice to see. I'm not going to drink the punch yet because some of these teams are going to see him again, and and I kind of want to see how he adjusts to their adjustments, but he's certainly been adequate at this point, and he's trending up in the right direction. Hasn't hit a home run yet. He did hit that ball deep to the triangle, had that hooked more towards right field. That probably ends up being his first home run, but straight away to the triangle. It ended up being a triple, which was still very impressive. Marwin Gonzalez scored on that play. So it it was a a key hit for sure. And I like what I'm seeing. He certainly does have the benefit of Michael Chavis being the next man up because that doesn't sound awesome. Uh, So (laughs) I, I think that maybe in a way might be taking a little bit of pressure off of him, but He's never at any point this season looked lost at the plate, like Jackie Bradley in the middle of a painful slump lost at the plate. He's just looked tentative at times early on. There was a – he had a two-hit game in the Chicago series uh, and then was up against Liam Hendricks, and Hendricks just couldn't locate anything. So he threw three straight fastballs to Dahlbeck and – and got him on three strikes just like that, in a, in a high leverage spot with runners on. So the more comfortable he gets, the more you know clutch he may be in those in those late innings. He did get the bat on the ball today. I, I can't remember if it was the last out of the game or the second to last out, but he he had a soft uh, dribbler to to third, and uh, you know got thrown out. But but he got the bat on it, so. Probably coming around and uh, we're going to talk about uh, another guy here shortly who, who got his first home run and then hit another home run. So maybe once Dahlbeck gets the first one, uh, that could just lead to a string of, of home runs. And, and, uh... You
2: put it perfectly there, Terry. I think the, his power is definitely coming. I mean, we saw him drive a couple of balls in Baltimore uh, two series ago that looked like they were going to be gone. It just kind of didn't quite get there. He's been hitting doubles kind of left and right. When he is hitting the ball, it's going into the outfield on a, on a rope. So he's going to connect to a couple. And then I would expect him to go on a torrid streak. uh, Because the one thing we know this guy can do is, is hit the long ball. So I'm excited for that because if, if we can get power out of the nine spot in this lineup, we become that much more dangerous.
0: Yeah. Let's get these bats some warm weather so these guys can get it on a roll, you know?
1: Yeah. And actually another important point I said at the height of my pessimism with him, you know, late in spring training and as the season got underway and he was slumping, I don't necessarily care about the home runs that much, so much that he is getting the bat on the ball. And that's what he's doing. He's driving it. So I don't want him to be an all or nothing guy. So if at this point he can just kind of sprinkle in some home runs and then, you know, while still rifling the ball – like we saw him do uh, with that triple, and, and he's had doubles as well, as, as Joe pointed out. So, so li- like what I see there, my stud for the series. I was gonna go with someone else, but uh, uh, for the second series in a row, I'm gonna go with Xander Bogarts. We probably get swept two to nothing in this series had it not been for that three run bomb he hit. Last night off of Hunjin Ryu, and I think we were trailing one to nothing at the time. And that got we were. us, yeah, that got us up three to one and kind of took a lot of pressure off of us. And I said in the previous show, he was hitting 386 coming into this Toronto series, and it was the quietest 386 in MLB because everybody around him, JD is mashing, Devers is mashing, uh. and they're going deep. And, you know, Verdugo has had his moments. So where Bogarts is essentially kind of hidden there into the four spot in between JD endeavors and hadn't hit a home run yet, it was just kind of surprising to see his average so high. And then finally the power explodes. And with tonight's home run, what was impressive about that was cold night, rainy night, kind of like Andrew was just saying, we need warm weather to get these bats going. Tonight was not a night that was conducive for hitting home runs, and he still went deep. And it, it was kind of a goofy home run. The ball, like Dennis Eckersley pointed out, was down in the dirt, and he just kind of golfs it up into the monster It He looked seats. like Manny Ramirez on
2: that <laughs> swing. I mean, it's... That's a, that's a ball that if you swing at nine times out of ten, you're popping that ball to the shortstop, uh, and he just he juiced it. So it's been fun to watch, Terry, no doubt.
1: Yeah, and he he's always putting balls in play. So it might have been a goofy hit, but how many times have we seen him slap a ball through the, the second base gap? You know, Oppo just for mm-hmm. a a cheap single. He's just he's just a great contact hitter, and you know, and at times can really, uh, you know, drive it into the monster seats over the monster seats. So uh, impressive by Bogarts, uh, Andrew. What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, it's really just effortless, which is the funniest part. It's like, oh, he just got under. Oh crap! It's in the third row of the monster. <laughs> so. I'm glad to see him coming around with the home runs. Um, they definitely needed that pop, especially last night. Uh, it's great to see. I think he's one of those guys. He just takes him a second to warm up once he does. Well, not essentially warm up because he has been hitting well, but with authority, it's just going to get everyone else going around him just even better. It's going to get guys more fastballs. I'd love to see it. His defense has been pretty damn good. Um, uh, He's making every play you can ask for him. That's been my biggest concern with him. This has been my, or, I don't know, it, his range has always made me a little nervous. But, I, yeah, I've been very happy with Xander over the last couple of weeks.
2: You know, I think the one thing we didn't mention that he's been great with, I mean, Andrew mentioned his defense. Terry, you mentioned his pop and his, his quiet hitting streak that he's been going on. His His base running has been great. He's been going first to third on balls that I didn't think he should be going first to third on, not necessarily in this series, but in, in previous series. And then his his leadership to get these guys, you know, off the mat against Ryu, kind of put the team on his shoulders. That's something that, you know, we should expect from him now that he's been in the league for a little while. And we just don't because he's not the loudest guy in the clubhouse. Um, and he lets his game kind of do the talking. But we faced three aces i would say three of the top 15 pitchers in major league baseball um in giolito glasnow and ryu and xander has hit all of them and he's made it comfortable for other guys in front of him and behind him to hit these guys i think it's because his presence in the middle of that order is a threat he's gonna get he's gonna get on base
1: absolutely uh Getting uh, over in – oh, no, I'm sorry. We got to do the honorable mentions here, um, and there's actually a lot to go over. Um, starting with the offense, Marwin Gonzalez, couple of doubles in the series. Starting to swing a, a good bat and uh, showing his versatility all over the field. So nice to see there. Yeah, that <sighs> – That play the other day behind second was great.
0: And I was like, damn, he is not that young to be making that play. (laughs) Yet he is. He just absolutely ranged. A sick knee drop. It was great. And, you know, the next night he's playing in a different position. So what else can he ask for?
1: Yeah, he got moved around to uh, a couple of spots um, tonight, I think, Uh, when Cordero came out. He went out to left field. So, Nice to see there, and he's kind of making uh, an impact after a kind of a slow start. Do you have any thoughts on him, Joe?
2: Yeah, I mean, his average really has not been there to the point where he can start every day, but the good news is that we're not asking him to start every day. We need him to hit 240 to 250 and play great defense at one of the six positions we're going to put him at this season and kind of just be a spark plug and let these guys around him do the mashing. He's done that. Um, he had a couple of cold games early on, especially in Baltimore, where everybody was hitting but him, uh, and it kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. But now he just seems comfortable. And I, I wonder if that's the Alex Porter factor. All of these guys seem very comfortable in their roles, um, and they look like they're having a great time. So I think Marlon's one of those guys that, even though he's not performing all the time, he's going to have a spot on this roster uh, all season long. And it's because you can plug and play him. So today and yesterday, you know, he had a couple of doubles starting back-to-back games. You're not going to see that very often from him. But when you do see it, it's nice to know that you have that option off the bench.
1: He's been extremely clutch as well. Even going back to his Astros days, he had some big moments in the playoffs. So I just think he's going to be a a valuable guy throughout the year to kind of lean on and and you know, multiple scenarios.
0: And he doesn't seem like, sorry. I was saying, he doesn't seem like the guy, the type of guy that'll get upset if he doesn't play for like three straight games either. Just he'll, he'll accept it. He'll be like, whatever. And he'll help out in whatever position you need him to. Yeah. He's
2: gritty like that. Um, And the other thing that I love about him is he knows how to win. Say what you will about the 2017 Astros, but they did everything they could to win, to win the baseball game. Right. And he brings this kind of hard work, tough effort every at bat. You don't see him go down easy anytime. He's never slacking off in the field. He runs the base as well. And when guys see that, they pick up their own effort. So having guys like that off the bench, a spark plug, kind of like a Brock Holt uh, kind of guy is essential, I think, if you're going to make a run uh, over the course of 162.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Just, uh, you know, he'll kind of fill the the Mitch Moreland role in in terms of his veteran leadership and his, you know, his flair for big moments.
2: And the one thing that I I think I missed is we have criticized in the past uh, Alex Cora for giving guys sometimes too many days off. He likes to give guys a rest sometimes too frequently. Um, But if you have a guy like Marwin, you can really do that. You, don't ha- you know, it's not looking ahead or taking guys out of the lineup thinking, okay, next week we have to play a critical series because you have somebody that you can plug in who's a spark plug. It's, it's important.
1: Absolutely. Uh, on the pitching side of it, we did have some nice performances. Um, I'll start with the bullpen first, actually. Um, Hirokazu Sawamura, I'm still getting used to his first name, Went one and one-third, only gave up one hit uh, tonight, struck out two. So kind of proving to be one of those sneaky good signings. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That
0: splitter, i it, it's fun to watch. I, I get excited whenever you set up in the count to throw it. it. And he definitely kind of got us out of a what could have been a little bit of a jam when Richards couldn't finish that inning there and he, he righted the ship then we didn't give up another run until you know taylor came in
2: yeah no i think he's been fantastic um he looks like he's finally getting the hang of the lighter ball that we use in major league baseball than that they use in japan so that splitter's finally starting to work from the zone down versus starting as a ball it's like starting as a strike and the guys are as soon as they decide to swing at it disappears into the dirt you'd love to see that um and he has the power pitches that kind of Koji never had, right? The 95-mile-an-hour oh, yeah. uh, fastball, and he, and he can throw it for a rising pitch as well. So if he can kind of put it all together and, and give us some quality innings, he's a guy who you can hand the ball to in the 7th or 8th inning if you needed to.
1: Another guy out of the bullpen. I was going to use him as my stud before I uh, switched to Xander Bogarts, but Phillips Valdez has looked very impressive. Um, he had a two-inning outing uh, against Chicago. Got uh, two outs in that one, uh, followed by another one. Actually, those both those appearances were in the doubleheader games. So he pitched uh, three innings uh, between the two games, and then uh, tonight looked looked really good against the Toronto Blue Jays. Didn't give up a, a single yep. hit and struck out two. Yeah,
0: talk about a guy um, who has just absolutely turned the page after spring training. I was like, damn it, is, is this guy even going to make the roster out of spring training? He was as bad as could be, and now he's just absolutely crushing. Uh, to throw two games of a doubleheader is an invaluable resource for your bullpen because you're not wasting the top bullets, which I think we've kind of seen a pattern. Out of Alex Cora come here lately. He's got his A team for the bullpen when he thinks it's a must win game. And then he's got his B team where he's like, you know, do we do we absolutely need this one tonight? And yes, you know, see guys like Taylor come in and you see guys like Bryce come in. And uh, Valdez has kind of bridged the gap between that and he can he can be either. Yeah, no, I think
2: Andrew kind of hit the nose on the head. The best part about Billy Valdez is that when you give him the ball, he's going to give you his best effort and he wants to pitch every day. He's got that competitive spirit that sometimes I think makes up for the fact that he doesn't have the pure tools that some of the other guys in the bullpen has. He has that competitive fire. Um, I like Valdez a lot. I liked him last year. I was kind of hoping he would develop another pitch. Um, but he's been fantastic so far. And even in spots where necessarily he won't shine, uh, like I don't think he will he shined in this series so much, he's invaluable because, like Andrew said, if you can give him the ball on both sides of the doubleheader and you can give, you know, the key guys, the A-team of, of bullpen relievers, a rest or an off day, that's big now in this stretch that we have. But come July and August, that's huge um, because we are – gonna be in the hunt i think and if you have a guy that can spell your bullpen it's gonna be a big deal when it comes down to late innings and late game i didn't
1: i didn't think a reliever would be used twice on the day of a doubleheader but chicago was warming up Hendricks to go in that second game and then i i think it the score kind of got away and they they didn't need him but um, so yeah, that I, we, I think we have to throw
0: LaRusa management out, out out the window on those ones. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, you know, I
2: think, uh, part of that reasoning is Chicago is pressing a little bit. They have not looked good. Perry, I know you said it in the preview for that Chicago series that we're catching them at a pretty good time uh, as far as it goes. And they really need some string some wins together. Um, because the central is looking like it's going to be a little bit more of an uphill battle than we all thought. Uh, A lot of teams are kind of not crashing and burning. They're putting together a competitive effort. So it's going to be interesting. Um, But I think that's kind of the reason that that Hendricks was up a second time. And as far as Valdez goes, he's one of those guys where if if you use him twice and you have to, you know, basically waste his, you know, his innings on a double header, Who cares? You know, he's not there to pitch the eighth inning or the ninth inning, Um, but it's super clutch to give guys like Barnes a day off.
1: I wouldn't rule out Chicago, by the way. I mean, Rodon has emerged as a stud for the most part. You know, he's he's throwing differently and just a much different pitcher this year, and then they're going to get Lance Lynn back. And I just think – I think Chicago – I picked Cleveland to win it, but I think Chicago's going to – going to go on a run here pretty quick. One last thing about uh, Valdez though, isn't he like at the moment, wouldn't he be your second worst reliever? I mean, who's the next guy under him? I think only Bryce, <laughs> who else is worse? Bryce and Taylor. Um, oh, the, the guy, well, Taylor, yeah, the guy yeah, that, yeah, that we're going to yeah. talk about okay, next. Yeah, I forgot. Um, yeah you're, you're absolutely right. Okay. But, um, but and I, I don't
2: think that's how it's supposed to work out. You know, I think <laughs> They have Valdez in there thinking he's going to be the worst guy, and they have Thomas Taylor. They need to rely on him, one of the two lefties in the bullpen, each has
1: been there. So, Taylor's just been—I mean, uh,
2: Valdez has just been better than advertised, in my opinion.
1: I, I think he could be. I mean, if if everybody's pitching well, then you know Dave Bush and all the assistants and whoever can can hone in on you know, the weaker guys and, and, and get them to elevate (laughs) this bullpen. I don't know where we rank, but it's gotta be a top two or three. in uh, in the American league, if not all of, uh, major league baseball, it's just been disgusting. But especially when you
0: look at like money allocation too, you know, Ottavino is making the most and they just bought him along with, uh, Frank German, you know, it's, it was a package deal, so you essentially just bought the prospect. They have no money allocated to this bullpen at all in the grand scheme of things. You don't have a $17.5 million closer like a Jansen or a Hendricks, you know, one of those guys. What they've done is kind of crazy. You don't expect So
2: we, we have – I pulled up those stats when you mentioned that, uh, guys. We have the fifth-ranked bullpen as of right now in Major League Baseball. Uh, and we have the second cheapest bullpen. In- Jesus! The <laughs> only bullpen that is cheaper than us is
1: Seattle. Cle- oh, okay. I was going <laughs> to guess Cleveland. Um, yeah, so I, I think that kind of speaks to our development. You know, I think we've all kind of agreed that Dave Bush has made an impact. And I forget the... Um, Who did we have under Farrell that was pretty good for a few of those years? Uh, He's with Cleveland now. Carl, uh, yeah,
0: it's gonna kill me. Someone look that up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll look. I'll look it up. Cleveland's hitting coach. But we, you know, he's produced Carl Willis. Yeah, Mm. he's produced a number of Cy Youngs. Rick Porcello as one of them, and our pitching was pretty good under him. But I just think it's so much better with bush like the just the whole team has rounded into form nathan avaldi might have the best year of his career this year if he can stay healthy so i mean we
2: in the and we in one of those shows were talking about him being a bullpen arm right so some of these guys are really (laughs) overperforming compared to our expectations and i think the organization's expectations i mean i know heim bloom went out and got guys like Andrees, uh you know hoping that they were going to be what they are now but he can't expect that everybody's going to hit. And so far, I think everybody except maybe Renfro uh, looks like they're all paying off. So it's it's been a great start to the season for Heim Bloom.
1: Yeah, not, not, a, not a ton to complain about. Um, let's see. Uh, also, uh, before we do move on to the duds, um, we can't leave out Eduardo Rodriguez. Six innings pitched. Only gave up three hits. One of those was the one batter he faced in the uh, seventh inning. That, seventh inning. That hit the uh, ball out of the park. Was that Bichette? Was that?
2: Uh, I think it was Bo Bichette at the top of the seventh inning.
1: Yeah. But right I, don't, don't
2: quote me on that.
1: Right. And so he had a two-hitter going into that uh, seventh inning. And, Looked extremely impressive. He walked one, uh, struck out six. He seems to that seems to be his magic number. He's struck out six guys uh multiple times, uh, going back to spring training. And who's the ace? Is it Rodriguez or is it Evoldi? If sale doesn't come uh, back I... hypothetically, and that's a terrible hypothetical, which we hope would never happen, but if it comes down to pitching game one, is it Evoldi or Erod? <laughs> That's going to I think go. they give
0: it to Evaldi.
1: Really? I really do think they give it to Evaldi just based on experience
0: and mentality. If they continue at their pace right now, I mean, you got to. Nate gave up four runs yesterday somehow, but like was a hell of a lot better than what that stat line showed. If you're going to bring that into a game one of a series, I think I'm going with that. I, I love Erod, but. I mean, Nate's just pitching out of his mind, which I don't expect to continue at this pace. But, you know, in in a vacuum, I would put uh, Evaldi game one right now.
2: I think in a vacuum, you have to give the ball to Eduardo Rodriguez. (laughs) Uh, He is far and away the most consistent pitcher on your roster, if you're not counting my boy Perez. Um, and He's not in contention for game one. You know what you're getting from Erod. Uh, even with the with the dead arm injuries, working back from, uh, we haven't seen the best of him yet. Yesterday, we saw the Eduardo Rodriguez that we were hoping to get last year as the horse, um, and that we are going to get this year, I hope, for the rest of the season. Um, and if we get that, we're going to be in real good shape at the top of the rotation. Uh, if we can get him and Evaldi both rolling there, one and two, that's going to be huge for us. So... I think he definitely deserves a nod. Um, I'm expecting that from him, though, at this point. So I'm not I'm not too over the moon about it because that's what I expect.
1: I'll break the tie and uh, also go with Rodriguez, but you know that's assuming they're they're both you know the hot hands and. Because you are going to take the hot hand no matter what, but I do believe at the end of the year, Rodriguez will have the better numbers, and and oh,
0: I agree with you there, yeah,
1: yeah. And I, I liked how he looked in that in that one World Series game. It, it would have been a lot more impressive had he not come out to face Puig that last time and mm. give up that multi-run uh, bomb. But um, but it's nice to see. And I don't, Joe, your keyboard is like loud. Oh, I'm sorry. That's I'm so sorry good. about that. Um, but anyway, so um, I, I do want to say this about E-Rod. It's the elephant in the room.
0: Uh, I was about to hop in
1: on there. Yeah. I think we I think were on the same spot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's getting more expensive each time out. To uh, sign Eddie bring him. Drugs. To bring him back. <laughs> I,
0: I don't is I it- wanted five at 90 at the beginning of the season. I thought that could get it done, but it's not going to get it done anymore. It's going to start it uh, with 20 million a year. He's going to be the youngest. You don't find free agent lefty starting pitchers. That could be your number two uh, sub 30 on the free agent market. You have to at least offer this guy the qualifying offer, which is 17. And he's going to turn that down as soon as that ink gets the paper. But hopefully he loves Boston and wants to take five, somewhat of a
2: reasonable deal. Five, it, so I would
0: give it to him to tomorrow, him. tomorrow if, they, if that's all it took, but I think it might be higher.
2: It, it might be, but that's that's the offer that I would give him. I think that's probably what he's going to end up taking, somewhere in the 5 5130 five, 5-130 range. Uh, but it is getting more and more expensive, Terry, uh, to keep him, no doubt. Uh, every time out that he shows that he can pitch and that he's still healthy after the mitocardosis uh, diagnosis is going to make him more and more of a high-value free agent for teams that really need pitching. And there are, every team always needs pitching. He'll be,
1: he will be—he just turned 28, so he his birthday's in April, so next year essentially is his age 29 season. I don't think he's going to get more than five years, though. It's just what would the annual value be? Be at at that point. I mean, six years would take him into his age thirty five season, which I guess isn't yeah. the worst thing ever. But I just think that would be a lot. I'm I'm gonna maintain all year long. I think we could have had him for three years, four max, had we made the deal um, before the start of the season. Uh, so it it is gonna trick tick upwards here. I'm gonna throw this out right now. Or go ahead, Andrew, because I'm going to go a totally different. Uh, I was just going to
0: say, yeah, right on. I'll be quick. I just, I would have loved to, but I just can't see a situation where they could have just signed signed him like sight unseen without seeing how he's how he'd hold up for at least a quarter of the season. That's just such a scary, unprecedented injury to come back from. It's not even an injury; it's a life situation that was coming back from. He might
2: he might have just walked away from baseball. you know. Mm-hmm. If he's 34 and, and gets myocarditis, I think he walks away from the sport. Uh, you know, at 28, you don't really want to sign him without seeing him pitch. You have no idea what that does to his durability. He might not be able to go six innings uh, every fifth day. So you really have to see him before you sign him. Uh, and I think he's going to compete for five years. I don't think he would take a deal that's longer than five years. because He can go out and get another deal at 34 and probably still be – you know if he thinks he's going to be able to compete at a high level for the next 5 years, probably still be a quality arm uh, that can get a 3-year deal through his age 37 season that pays off.
1: Well, here's the thing, he he had to have been put through a gauntlet of tests to make sure that his heart was healthy to to be able to do this and you look at the Rick Porcello deal, that happened The day before opening day in 2015, he got a a four or five-year extension, whatever it was, the day before opening day, after watching him for a full spring training. And then you had Chris Sale get his extension late in spring training. And I think Chris Sale had a lot more red flags than what Rodriguez did. And no,
2: I think so too Terry, but the issue is you didn't see a full spring training from Eddie Rodriguez. Well, right? he, I mean he started late, he had the dead arm.
1: The dead well, arm I happened know. uh in the final week, but um he he had two electric starts though where he went multiple innings, struck out six, didn't walk a single guy. I I felt pretty good about it and I just felt like there was less Red flags with Rodriguez compared to Sale, and you're talking about a lot less money if it's a three or four year deal. So it it would have been a, to me a risk worth taking. Now I'm going to go in in the opposite direction here. Now I don't think Hein Bloom is going to sign him. I don't think he's coming back. I don't think he's I don't think he's a priority. I think Bloom would have. I think if Bloom really wanted him, I think the deal would have happened. I really do. But other, with those other two guys you mentioned, Porcello
0: and Sale, those guys weren't in real positions of power to turn down those kinds of offers. Because those were above-market deals for guys that weren't ready to you know hit free agency you know, with the other teams competing. Eduardo Rodriguez is going to have a bidding war, and I think he knows that. And if he was confident enough in his health and in his stuff – I mean, I think it makes sense for him to at least play uh, two or three teams against each other because you know what other team needs a pitcher? One down the road in New York in the Bronx, and they're going to have all the money in the world to spend because they're not going to be happy. And, you know, they could easily try to sign E-Rod to a big deal or even give
1: him a poison pill contract that the Red Sox couldn't match. I... I... I can't get get to that point, though, because 2019 is the only season he's really looked fantastic, and it was for probably two-thirds of the season, four months of it. Before that, you know, there were injuries and, and inconsistency. His, his pitch count was always getting super high. I just don't think he had a ton of leverage. And like I've said in earlier shows, and, and we're going to go over this a million times over the next several months, but... I think he hates the idea of playing anywhere else. I don't think Eduardo Rodriguez wants to play for another team. I I think he wants to stay in Boston. And I think he would have, I really do think he would have taken the extension. But you look at next year, you're going to have Chris Sale. You're going to have Nathan Avaldi. I'm going to boldly assume Tanner Houck is going to be in the rotation as a bona fide starter by that point. You're probably going to have Connor Siebold. And Garrett Whitlock is probably going to be in the rotation, and I don't think Pavetta is going to be here. But he is controllable for four more years beyond this. We're already at six pitchers there, and I get it. Sales the only lefty, but I just don't think I don't think Bloom's gonna gonna spend the money on him at this point.
2: Sadly, nor do I, Terry. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with the fact that if Bloom wanted him, it probably would have already got done. Uh, I right. think Bloom, in the ideal situation for Bloom, is to, to paint this team with his own brush. You know, if he could restart totally fresh with the salary cap, that's what he would do. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he just decides that he doesn't want to go commit $23, $24 million of annual value to a lefty starter because he thinks he can develop that guy. Uh, or he thinks that that guy's maybe Connor Siebel. Um, is Siebel the lefty? Stars. Siebold, I think, is a righty. Oh, okay. But He's ready. even if you even if you only have one lefty in the rotation, I think you don't he doesn't want to sign somebody to that big contract. He'll go find another guy at a bargain deal, um, the way that he went and found Richards, or the way that he went and found um, you know, Andrees, one of these guys who's not necessarily the the top tier of, of pitcher on the market and there's a very deep starting pitching market next year. I don't know if you guys have looked at it, but I would assume whoever the the second bottom of the second tier, top of the third tier guy is, that's who he wants. There's somebody with insane spin right, you know, low exit velocity for hitters, who's only gonna make seven million a year. And that's that's gonna be the guy that Bloom wants to go after.
0: And they'll have the money too. Is, they will they'll have, have
2: money. money. The question mark the question is is this team good enough and Wilhelm Bloom have bought enough goodwill with the fans where he can get rid of another fan favorite? I don't know. That's going to be
1: hard. That's going to be hard. And if we're in the playoffs and I'm boldly going to, I know I picked us to win 78, you know, wins. I haven't had my first glass of punch yet officially, but hard to imagine we're not going to be a playoff team at this point, you know, whether it's a wild card or a division win. Um, especially with the Yankees playing terribly. That's where a lot of my confidence just rises sharply w- as far as Our us division goes. has not
2: been good. It's been great. Yeah. You know, the division's been kind of weak.
1: Yeah. and But say we get into the playoffs, Eduardo Rodriguez is a big game pitcher. He showed it in that World Series start, and that was a spot start. He was not scheduled to start that game. He's got great numbers in New York against the Yankees. So – it doesn't matter how hostile the environment is or how big the game is. He's a big game pitcher. And if he shows that, if he has a John Lester 2013 postseason this year, how do you not sign him? That's just, that's tough. But you kind of touched on something here a minute ago, Job. I forgot exactly how you worded it. But Bloom wants to build his own team. And I, I think I, that's another reason I, I don't think Rodriguez is is a part of the future plans. I think he he wants his own team, and I have the same fear for Devers. I, I want Devers to be signed so bad, and it, it it didn't happen last winter. Hopefully, it'll happen next winter. But I think he wants his own team. I think he looks at the Dodgers, where his former boss works, and and he wants to do it better. He wants to put his own stamp on it, and and so I hope I'm wrong about that, but I I kind of feel like that's part of his mindset.
0: I do think he wants to see what the CBA is going to look like. And that is a huge, huge factor. We don't know what controllable years will look like after all these negotiations. Cause right now the players are getting screwed. They don't hit free agency. until they're 29. If they come up when they're like 22, so I think he's going to want to see what direction the league is going in. But I, I, I think Devers will be here. I'm not too worried about that. Um, even if he does want his own team, he's going to, he knows that he needs stalwarts to you know hold it down. And he's not going to get rid of blue chippers, especially when he's going to have that much money to play with, because he could have a team of
1: blue chippers while maintaining a pipeline coming through the system. I hope so. I hope so because Devers just – he's got that bat for Boston. I i think he's going to – he could potentially be the next big poppy in this organization in terms of clutch, big moments. It's hard to find a guy like that and and so hopefully
0: – And they have I, I time. So. They have time. They have two years to get that done and then I uh, – yeah, I, I don't think – that he's going to be walking uh, for nothing. They won't They
2: won't even let him get to that point, I don't think, uh, mm. unless they totally reset. And if they're resetting again, then Bloom won't be here. The next guy will come in and they'll pay Raphael. <laughs> because yeah. you can't You, you can only say no to the fans so often uh, in a market like this. right? If you're winning, fans are a little bit more lenient. But we just watched Mookie Betts go and win a World Series in a Dodgers uniform. And the fans... They won't forget that and they won't forgive that for a long time. So in three years, if they don't pay Rafael Devers and they don't have another guy already there in the system to be that that power hitter in the middle of the lineup, then they have to pay him. They're they're in that position where they don't have a choice. Um, the guy that I was looking up just to see, you know, if he could be an honorable mention here, Terry, before we moved on, uh, while my the keyboard was clicking away, is Christian Arroyo. You know, your your favorite player on the Red Sox <laughs> this year. Um, I just wanted to mention that he had such a great uh, series that I, I needed to mention him. He went two for four. Um, he pinch hit in today's game, didn't even start. Uh, went one for two. He's now hitting three sixty-four on the season. That's about 16 for 44. He's got six runs scored, three RBIs, a stolen base, and an OPS of nine twenty-seven. He's locking down that second base spot. I'm, I'm very excited to see kind of all the combinations we can put him in.
1: And we got a guy named Jeter Downs, who's going to own that spot. So <laughs> it's, so just... it's going to be
2: interesting where he goes to, but yeah. <laughs> for now it, it's good to have somebody at second base. Uh, that's a little bit less of a revolving carousel. That's kind of been since Pedroia first got hurt with that knee issue has kind of been the gaping hole, uh, on the Red Sox where it's kind of like fill that gap. Um, we've had what five second basemen in five years. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, I hope he locks that job down.
1: I think he's well on his way to doing it, but well, get, there's some moving parts to that. We'll unfortunately have to cover on other shows, but um, getting over into the duds now. We're we're 52 minutes in. This is going to be another longer show. Um, go ahead, Andrew. Who's your dud for the series? We'll make this one quick and really
0: won't need too much explanation. Josh Taylor, you suck. Um, (laughs) He absolutely just fell apart. The game was within reach. And it was quite frankly, you know, a mile away once they got out of that uh, top of the night. So thanks, Josh Taylor. Go to Pawtucket. Don't even go to Worcester. (laughs) Go to Pawtucket. (laughs) Uh, I don't have
2: much to add to that. I think Josh Taylor... Uh, As much as he didn't cost us this game because we were already down, uh, he cost us a chance to win the game when we battled back to be into it. Uh, This offense, like I've said in one of those recap tweets you've been putting out now, Terry, on the podcast Twitter, the offense is never out of it. But when you come so close to tying the game and you can't go get a shutdown inning out of your your only lefty who's available for the night in the bullpen, it's going to hurt. So... Josh Taylor, I don't know what's wrong with him. His velocity is down. His control is not there. He's walking guys. He's Something is wrong with him. Uh, I don't know if it's an injury or mechanic-wise, but he's not the same pitcher he was in 2019. Uh, I'm not even going to count 2020.
1: Um,
2: it's very concerning to me that he's one of two lefties we have available.
1: In the last show, I kind of, you know, went up to bat for him. He, he had been four scoreless appearances. Uh, some of them weren't full innings, but he was used situationally. Uh, looked like he was starting to kind of turn the corner. And then, like you guys said, just completely crapped his pants today. And, um, not, not a good, not a good performance, but he is lucky as we have. Pointed out in previous shows, he's one of two lefties in the pen, so I think he's going to be afforded more um, chance to to turn it around than than some other guys might. But um, yeah, to to watch the team as frustrating as it was today to strand so many base runners, they they were kind of inching forward to to get the game tied at least, and um, the game went from four to three to six to three and essentially over at that point. So um, crappy out. I think he might've just
2: lost his job. Uh, I think tonight might've been the last time we see Josh Taylor for a good long while. Um, We might go with one less pitcher and bring up Santana as an infielder. um, Who's supposed to be ready at the start of next week. I think Um, that might be the move uh, that the Red Sox make. I know they want to have more pitchers. Uh, they, they don't necessarily mind the three-man bench with all the versatility they built in there. Um, but we have Santana, who hit 28 home runs in 2019, hit 283, who's going to be ready to go. And Taylor's not giving you anything quality out of the bullpen. So I think tonight might have been the final straw for Alex Cora.
1: Andrew, do you want to weigh in on that as far as the I, roster? You move? know...
0: Um, I, I think they'd absolutely bring a pitcher just because they don't want to wear these guys out too early in the season, but I wouldn't mind seeing Steven Gonsalvius come up. He's a lefty as well. Uh, pretty much just as proven as Josh Taylor, which isn't saying too much, but hopefully they found something in him. Uh, he, you know, he was well-regarded in his minor league, uh, career. If they could get him back on track, that's great. They've been stretching him out here over at the alt site. So he can eat multiple innings if you need him to. Uh, just one of those guys can do two or three at a time, if he, if the situation calls on it. So that's what I would like to see. And if you don't care about having a lefty, I I have been tooting the bizzardo horn for go you know since spring training started. So I would I would love to see one of those two get two guys up here uh, with the next couple of days.
1: If Bryce falls off a cliff, that could be another. Oh, yeah, him too. That could be another path for Bizarro. Uh Santana, though, just because he was mentioned, he's primarily an infielder. Oh no, he is an outfielder. Well, he can play outfield too, but, but he can't I think he's positions. a
0: few weeks. Yeah. yeah, I think he's still a few weeks. I don't know if he's got any at bats yet. Um, down at the alt site, he he would.
2: Yeah, I read he's going to be ready for baseball this week, so he should be ready to go for you know the big league club in probably ten days to two weeks somewhere in that range. So one more bad bad spot for Taylor, we might have, you know, people calling for it. Um I don't think necessarily there's any role for him in the infield if you keep the three, you know, the three-man bench. So if they really like Santana and they think he could be the 283 28 home run hitter that he was in 2019, they got to find him a spot. So
1: They could bounce be They could bounce Renfro if his struggles continue over the next few weeks. I don't know if they'd pull the plug that fast, but it, it would be a, a possible solution. Uh, you know, they, I think they they could,
2: but only if Cordero continues to hit and he seems to kind of be tapering off a little bit too. Um, they're both kind of platoon guys, so it'd be tough to get rid of one of them and have the other still overperform. So well it'll be interesting to see which way they go with it. I just I, I think Taylor's leash is very, very short.
1: Yeah, well, the other thing too is, you know, with Dahlbeck solidifying his spot now offensively, and Arroyo probably going to be the mainstay. I think you're going to start to see uh, Gonzalez play a little bit more left field. So I think that kind of offsets the Cordero aspect. But but there's just so many moving parts; it's hard to really interpret which way uh, they're going to go with it. Um, go ahead, Job. Uh, you're you're dud for the series. Uh, so my dud for the series is is the same dud
2: that I've had since spring training. Um, uh, uh, and that's going to be Garrett Richards. I don't have his exact stat line in front of me, so if somebody does, go ahead and go ahead and read that out. Yeah, but I do know that he gave up. Uh, he gave up four runs, six walks. Um. And I don't know how many of those runs were earned. Are they all earned, Terry?
1: I Four of the runs, yes. Four runs were earned. And uh, he went four and two-thirds on four hits. Six walks, like you said. So the the first two pitches of the game were about three feet over Vasquez's head. <laughs> so I was like, uh uh. And then
2: the next three were right down Broadway. Um, yeah, You know, the Vlad Guerrero double was right down Broadway. There were a couple other pitches that, you know, even – Toronto didn't even capitalize on that. We're right down the middle, and you can't walk six hitters uh, and be successful. It comes back to bite you every time you walk guys. And if you are a Martin Perez type pitcher and you don't walk guys, my my le- my rope for you is very very long. But if you walk guys, my patience wears thin very fast. And I didn't have any patience for Richards to begin with, but he cost us today's game and. Hopefully he doesn't cost us one of these games in the next four-game set because he just burned a lot of arms in the bullpen today by not being able to get through five innings.
1: Actually, I think he'll be pitching game one of the Mets series, actually, which is probably scarier than um, Seattle. But...
2: but Well, so I was kind of going with, I hope he doesn't cost us one of these games because we don't have arms available in the pen. Um you know, he just burned through a lot of the guys that could be available in say oh, Two of that gotcha. Seattle series. Yeah, um, and if now those guys aren't available, we have to lean on some guys a little bit more, or maybe leave a starter in one hitter too long because there's no one behind him. Uh, it could cost us one of these wins in this four game set. So I'm I'm hoping that that's not the case and that this is just one loss uh, of very few. I'm starting to think that Richards is the pitcher that he was in his first start, not his second start, which is scary. Uh, Andrew, you've been high on him, so I'm curious to think what your you know to hear what your thoughts are after this start. You're going to say, it's, are you going to say it's one of thirty? Because I don't want to hear it. To
0: <laughs> no, it well, wasn't good, and he couldn't locate, which sucks. I, luckily, it's not his stuff, and he's not getting smacked around the ballpark. Uh, that would to me be more concerning him not being able to locate is definitely concerning at this point. Uh, he did own it post game. He said he was fighting his delivery all night, release point, the elements, uh, combination of stuff, just trying to get outs so when I didn't have a whole lot going tonight. Obviously not good Del- delivery and release point before next uh, before the next start continuing to grind. So, he knows what needs to be done. It's just a matter of finding that consistency on his release point. It was varying so much. You can pull up the baseball uh, savant stats of his exact release point, and it was just – it was oh, everywhere. It was. Yeah, it was crazy, and it sucks that he can't harness his stuff because his stuff is good, and that's what makes it even more frustrating. Um, I'm definitely not giving, him up, giving up on him yet, but – I mean, it's – you need him to start going more than four and two-thirds in these starts. Look at – I know what you're saying about burning guys in the bullpen. Luckily, it wasn't exactly the A staff you, he, they went through tonight, which I think Core definitely kept in mind. Um, I Dave Bush is just going to have to do a little more work. Uh, I'm sure it's going to keep him up at night more than it's going to keep Red Sox fans up at night over the next couple days, so – uh, just back into the lab, back to the drawing board, and I don't know. He keeps mentioning weather. Maybe, maybe that's what it's going to take. But the playoffs aren't exactly warm either. So who knows? I, I'm giving him a few more before I'm really starting to tap out on it. But yeah, if he was getting smacked around a little bit more, then I'd, I, I, I definitely have a shorter leash.
2: There you go. So I'm thinking he's David Price, but without David Price's talent, that's kind of where <laughs> I'm at with him. Uh, Harry, what are your thoughts?
1: Well, the, the bad news for the bullpen is uh, Nick Pavetta goes tomorrow. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, not much rest for the bullpen. Um, but <laughs> – It's frustrating. I've never been a Richards guy. Uh, Typically, most of his issues are in the first and second innings. He did seem like he was going to settle down a little bit. He did kind of cruise through the third and fourth tonight and then kind of unraveled again. Um, As far as his mechanics go, this is his, I think, his fourth start of the year, fourth or fifth. And actually, it was his fourth. And you just kind of hope that they he would have that ironed out by now. And there's no sign of that getting ironed out. And all of his starts are very stressful and they're very uncomfortable to watch. It just it would be I would just rather eat my words and him start pitching well. I, I would love to see that, but it it hasn't happened yet. And um fortunately we do have the depth. Tanner Houck will force his way into the rotation somehow and I'm gonna stick with my bold prediction here by June 1st either Garrett Richards or Nick Pavetta one of those two will not be with the Boston Red Sox I really believe that and so we'll we'll see right now the egg is on Richard's face if if Pavetta goes out tomorrow craps his pants then you know maybe it falls on him at that point but um, i'm probably a bigger pessimist about pavetta at this point to be honest i mean he's that's that's interesting um
2: i'm i'm more down on richards when i see richards i'm looking at ryan weber 2.0 and it's giving me nightmares from the 2020 season but pavetta's i just i feel like pavetta can give us more strikes I mean, today, I don't know if either of you would checked Twitter at all during the game, but I was listening to the game on WEI, so I, I pulled up my phone, and I know Charlie Smith was at the game, and he sent me a thing that, you know, there was 13 strikes out of 34 pitches for Garrett Richard. If we have that, we're going to lose the game. Your offense is going to need to put up seven, eight runs every time Richard pitches, and that's just not sustainable. Uh, I realize that Toronto's a good lineup. I picked them to win the American League East. Um, But it is just not sustainable. I I need to see more from him or I'm going to have to move on.
0: He actually wasn't even that bad. His last two starts out, I think it was 10 innings of two earned runs combined. So the stuff is there. That's, I mean, he has that going for him. It's just about harnessing it at this point. And they weren't out of the game completely. Once he left that ball game today, you know... But that's this more offense...
2: Andrees. That's more Andres. You know, if Andres comes in and, and gives up the inherited runners or, or gets shelled a little bit, uh, then it's five or six run. Then you're really out of the game, right? So four and two-thirds and you're not out of the game, I would hope not.
0: Well, today uh, today it was just one guy left on when uh, Hero came in. But I I don't know. I, I'm i not giving on, He His stuff is too good to give up on him at this point, especially with his salary, too. It, it's just not going to happen yet. They're going to give him home. He's got a little more uh, lead on that leash.
1: I mean, he's got at least five or six more starts. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I would say, but, but, I mean, three out of the four games he's pitched have resulted in a Red Sox loss, so... He's got to turn it around, and his his delivery is funky. I, I've heard Dave Bush say it's a it's a hard it's a hard delivery to to repeat because there's just so many you know moving parts to it. But it's just I it just it's been very uncomfortable to watch. But we'll, we'll see. Nick Pavetta is having his issues, so that that could play into to Garrett Richards. Uh, benefit for at least uh, now anyway uh, my dud for the series I'm gonna go with Alex Verdugo I don't think he's gonna be a dud many times uh, in in a season he only played today in the series but uh, it wasn't a good it wasn't a good game he was one for five struck out three times he had a key um ground into a double play in the 6th inning which completely killed our momentum. We could have tied the game, maybe taken a lead, but uh it didn't happen and that was kind of before Taylor really blew it. Um that that was really the the key moment um that that I was kind of focusing on. So um not going to kill him. He's been a stud at, at other points this season, so
0: yeah, for me, um, it was his defense more than it was his offense. He had a questionable throw home when he really shouldn't have thrown home, had no chance again the guy guy's advance and run other run scores where that, you know, might not have happened with the next batter up. And then he had that one he kicked in that kick late. In, was that the eighth inning, ninth inning? Yeah, I forget what it was, not but him. that sucked. Um, but it got to him. Which And when I say it got to him, he cares. I don't know if you guys. He was saw mad. the shot of him at the end. Yeah, he was up to see him in the book. Bu- yeah. in the dugout at the end of the game, they had to go over him because he wasn't just like, whatever. Yeah. It, it really, it weighed on him. So he's going to bring it every night. He went a little too hard tonight and maybe I had to slow down a little bit, but yeah, I, I don't think we're going to be mentioning him in this section uh, too much. I Uh, I mean, you guys pretty
2: much hit the nail on the head. I don't want to repeat everything you said. Uh, I don't have a concern for Verdugo at all. Um, I do like him hitting in the second spot in the lineup. I think he's given us real juice all season. So a bad night for him. Off day yesterday. He'll be back at it tomorrow.
1: And if it was a three-game set, you know, someone else would have been the dud, I would imagine, but... Uh, all right, so where are we? Actually, we're only at an hour and ten, so that's pretty good. I guess we'll just get into the Seattle series here. It's a four-game set, um, and Seattle's playing pretty good. I mean, they're probably coming towards the end of their rebuild. I, I would say, what, maybe another year or two tops? and you'll uh, pro- One
2: more year, they're going to be competitive.
1: Yeah, they'll start to spend money and – and uh, that uh, AL West division will be probably more interesting than it's uh, been in a while because it's, it's all been Houston and Oakland at this point. So I'm pulling up the matchups right now. We've got Nick Pavetta going tomorrow. Uh, luckily, Garrett Whitlock should be available to pitch a few innings and uh, Andres at least a couple. So, there should be some reinforcements if he gets bounced out of the game early. But he's going to be facing Justin Dunn, admittedly. I've never heard of him. So he's one of their younger guys. Uh, 1-0 and on the season, 372 ERA. Doesn't look like he's a very high strikeout guy. But um, how do you guys feel about uh, that matchup? I
0: hate when the Red Sox face young pitchers because you're like, oh, my God, they should rake. But then it's like, ah, crap, they have no footage of them, and that seems to be a big factor. I don't know. It always turns into a coin flip, but I think they're going to be pissed off. Um, I hope the weather out there is warm (laughs) tomorrow. I I think they uh, straighten out uh, out the bats and put some runs on the board and walk away with that one. You know, I think
2: Andrew pretty much hit the nail on the head. This offense is going to get right tomorrow. Uh, I would expect them to take a lot of pitches tomorrow. Uh, it seems to be a very Alex Cora approach to facing young pitching is to make them go deep into the counts, um, get some hitters' counts, and then drive the ball. I'd also expect a lot of kind of hit and run action uh, from this team, or, you know, maybe stealing some bases, a little bit more aggressive play from Alex Cora. Terry, I think you mentioned it in our our private message chat that they weren't really aggressive in this series with Toronto. I'd expect that's a change in the Seattle series because the the Seattle Mariners are a young team. Like you said, they're completing their rebuild. Put the pressure on them. Make them make mistakes. Um, I think that starts tomorrow. I'm, I'm excited for this series.
1: I uh, Since you guys mentioned it, I just had the weather up. Uh, tomorrow is going to be dry, but only 47 degrees, so it's going to be a chilly game. Probably not a lot of home runs. And then Friday is going to be 60 degrees, which is nice. Saturday could be a complete uh, rain out, or, or is that, hang on. No, Saturday is going to be sunny, and then Sunday's the day that uh, it's going to be be a total wash. 97% chance of rain, so it's going to be interesting because it's game four of the set. They're a West Coast team. <laughs> Do they want to fly all the way back out here on an off day <laughs> when they're probably going to be playing Oakland and Anaheim on, on that week or whatever? So uh, the weather, uh, as far as temperature goes, shouldn't be uh, a factor aside from tomorrow, which maybe will play into Pavetta's favor because um you know, maybe the long ball is, is less of a threat. But uh, I'm, I'm a little nervous about that game because Pavetta just looks so bad. Um, so uh, tentatively, I would probably lean to, to a loss in that one. Um, Friday's matchup looks a lot better. You say Kikuchi, who's uh, off to kind of a rough start, ERA just under five, is up against Martin Perez, who is uh, looking to hopefully bounce back from – what was his worst start of the year in the Chicago series. Um, so that's a, that's a lefty versus lefty uh, matchup as well. So Andrew, how do you have that one playing out? That one,
0: uh, you know, I, I feel better about that one than I do about, um, but the first one, there's tape on him and guys are barreling him up a little bit. Uh, in his first couple starts there. So they're not going to see too much, too many straight pitches. His pitches move around a lot. You know, He's going to throw you uh, a good amount of cutters. Uh, that's going to be his featured pitch. The cutters, sliders. So you just got to sit on him, make him work, make him be in the zone. He's not going to want to be in the zone. And if they can work some uh, good at-bats, get into him, I-, I like this matchup for us.
2: Well, you know how I feel about Perez. Anytime Perez is <laughs> pitching, I think we have a good chance to win the game. But especially this game, I think you say is we know what he is. Uh, he has 44 MLB appearances. He's got a 5.34 career RA in just over 200 innings, which is about a season of work. Um, he does have he does strike out a lot of guys. Uh, he strikes out about one guy per inning. Um, even this far this far into the season, he's about 19 strikeouts, 19 innings. Uh, but over the course of his career, that's been the case. Um, so as long as we don't go fishing, like Andrew said, if we can stay in the zone. I think we should really drive the ball against him. And if this offense can have good control of the strike zone, I would expect maybe six, eight hits, uh, put some runs on the board.
1: The one thing I kind of like about this matchup is you go back to the Chicago series. We struggled a little bit against Keuchel, who's a a lefty who throws a lot of off-speed stuff. I think you saw the correction on that. When we faced Ryu, who's a lefty, throws a lot of off-speed stuff. So I, I think they're they're kind of in sync still, and and this start is you know only a couple after uh, the Ryu matchup against another lefty. So I I think the the bats will know how to approach uh, Kikuchi here, and I don't think Perez is going to look as bad as he did two starts in a row. So. Um, I, I think I would put that as a win uh, for the Red Sox as well. Saturday's matchup, another guy I'm not familiar with, uh, Chris Flexen, must be another one of their younger arms. One and one on the season with a 338 ERA. He'll be facing Nathan Avoldi, who has not looked bad in any of his starts so far, has been the most consistent starter outside of Rodriguez, who's actually started less. Than Evoldi, but um, how, how do you like that one, Andrew?
0: Uh, another one I see as a favorable matchup. Uh, he's not gonna blow guys away. He is the fourth percentile for whiff rate. Um, his fastball velocity is bottom sixteen uh, percent in the league. So this is one of those one of those guys that you know. The Red Sox should be able to get to. This is a game that the offense should carry the pitching, even if Evaldi is not bringing his A game. I agree
2: with Andrew. Uh, this is a guy who probably wouldn't be in their rotation if James Paxson doesn't get hurt. Um, he's 26 years old. He's got 30 career games under his belt in Major League Baseball. He's 4-12 with a 7.18 ERA uh, in 84 innings pitched. He doesn't strike guys out all that often. He walks a lot of hitters. They should be able to absolutely destroy destroy the ball off of him. And it, this might be one of those games where everybody starts to get hits. Everybody starts to feel good. I would expect this game to have, you know, Franchi Cordero, um, maybe even Franchi and Hunter Renfro in the lineup. And then on top of that, Devers should be um, ready to capitalize on this because this is the kind of pitcher that Devers absolutely hits to the, you know, out of the ballpark. Um, so I would expect a, a win in this, in this matchup. Definitely. Even if Avaldi only was five minutes.
1: I agree with you guys. This, uh, this definitely looks like uh, a, a solid win for the Red Sox. And I don't really have any um, reason to uh, not have faith in Evaldi in a matchup like this. So, so, yeah, I'll put me down in the wind column for that one. Sunday, if it happens, because that's the 97% rain day. Hopefully, maybe that'll be in the earlier part of the day. And instead of a 110 start, maybe it just starts late in the afternoon. You got to think, even if it's a 7 or 8 p.m. start, they're going to do anything they can do to get that one in, uh, to avoid, um, Seattle having to come back out. Uh, and uh, Monday's an off day for the Red Sox as well, and they're only going to New York, so it's not like there's going to be some some heavy travel uh, for Tuesday's game. But that's TBD versus Eduardo Rodriguez. I think we can agree right now. (laughs) Rodriguez is going to win that game.
0: Yeah, I don't know who the Mariners (laughs) are just going to magically find (laughs) within the next 72 hours. Yeah, TBD is going to turn into know Cy Young Award winner.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think we, we all expect that game to be a win, Perry. Um, and we we need it to be a win because if we don't take three or four from the Mariners, we're looking ahead at a, a very tough schedule coming up.
1: Yeah, and uh I I have it three games to one, so if we can overperform just a little bit, how how awesome would would a sweep be and, and bank four more wins. And this is the longest stretch of facing non
0: like top five Cy Young, uh, you know, candidates that they're going to face all year because they have faced guys that have finished, you know, in the top five in the race all year long. It's been crazy. It's one after another lately, and now you got four guys that are, hey, you know, right for the picking. Got to take advantage of this one. Um, got to do three to one. I know, you know, the Mariners is going real well right now, but you got to take three here. You got to find a way. Yeah, you definitely need the series
2: split. We talked about. A lot of episodes, in a lot of episodes, how April is going to be a tough month for the Red Sox. This was one of those spots where you looked at it and said, okay, there, there's a four game stretch we could win. Uh, we can go three to one there. Even before we knew this team was this good, we definitely need, I think, those three to four wins. May does get easier, um, but the Mets are no joke. The Mets are, you know, first in the National League uh, East. And then we've got the Rangers uh, on the road as well. And then we get. You know, we get some tough matchups. Uh, Baltimore has already beat us. Texas, who should be okay, but you know, Detroit, Oakland, L.A., back to you know, back to Toronto, Phillies, we Braves, we have a very tough late month of May. We need to pick up wins while we can.
1: I was just looking at the uh, the Mets matchups. It looks like we will get Degrom in that. It'll be
2: Degrom versus uh, Richards, I believe. Uh, if things line up, <laughs> oh, okay. so we're just going to pencil that one. In Good. So <laughs> yeah. so no, I no.
0: <laughs> Screw that. That's perfect. That's the get right game for Richards. They don't score for Degrom. That's a that's a one and run seven <laughs> inning game for him right there. Just chalk it up right now. Like, what was the last? De- I last week Degrom was the had
1: the third most hits on the Mets. <laughs> Unless they
2: skip, you know, they might skip a guy with the day with the off day. Well, they might skip maybe, and go to the vet up. maybe
1: we'll um, miss him actually by one. Actually, Monday might be an off day for them. So that would, if Monday not an off day, then we face DeGrom. Grom. If it's an off day, then I thought I, I we saw we him. were
0: projected to face him.
1: Okay, well, I, did, I could, so, yeah,
0: I saw a few things the other day. They were like, bring on DeGrom and <laughs> just come on their tweets like that.
1: So uh, that would put. Richards against Joey Lucchese then which is obviously God, a lot. Man,
2: I'm
0: not feeling as confident. <laughs> well,
2: yeah, we, we are uh, we, we are scheduled to play through. Uh, they don't have an off day on Monday. They have three against the Nationals oh, uh, finishing up right before we come into town.
1: 3 against the Nationals. They
2: have an off day they, uh, they yeah, it, would day a, f- it would have to be a
1: it would have to be a four game yeah. set cuz they they play they would, them on Friday. They,
2: they do have an off day on Monday. I'm oh, sorry. they do. I okay. just saw that. Uh, they have an off day on Monday, so we might we might miss him, but I, I doubt it. He'll probably just hit their day late.
1: We'll see. Um, and and the, 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 the real sad part for me is we're not going to face. We're definitely not going to face Strowman. So, um, I man, I'd love to make that guy <laughs> suffer. He's actually having a good year though. Yeah, ERA less than one with thirty five strikeouts. pitching out of his mind, apparently. But anyway, we got to get going. I got to get up in like three hours, and I'm not going to bed for at least another 30 minutes to get this thing uploaded. So for the listening audience, we will be back on Sunday. That's a lot of time in between. So you know me. I I love an excuse for a bonus segment. So maybe might sneak one of those in there. Uh, But worst case, Sunday night to cover the Seattle Mariners series. Take care.